Yeah. You want to talk about the strike? Uh, it only feels right that we do so. All right. Uh, updates on the strike. Uh, Dune's been delayed. Going. Dune's yeah. been delayed. Uh, Godzilla versus Godzilla Kong: The New Empire has been delayed. Uh, bunch of movies are being delayed right now, especially the ones with uh, special effects. So that's yeah. interesting. Um, I heard that the uh, VFX workers are just voted to unionize at Disney. So that's another thing that we have to look forward to. Um, good. Fucking good. I saw, I saw one thing that I think is very interesting. Um, so Netflix is ready to give up. Netflix is ready to bulge because uh-huh. uh, Stranger Things. It's their big money cow. That's it true. takes a full year to film that that a season of that show, and those yeah. kids are not getting any younger. And the last season, you know, fell into like a bit of a uh, a bit of a uh, what would you refer to it as? Uh, like age, a um, age, uh, age. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to not continue immediately where they left off. So. Apparently Disney, apparently Netflix is like ready to bulge. And the second that they fall, everyone else is going to follow. Uh, now, apparently they meet, they, they met up and both Netflix and Disney offered a new deal, but uh, the writers rejected it because they said that it's not good enough. And uh, good. Apparently, Iger, apparently Iger got upset at Netflix because he was like, "What? offer them more, god damn it. So... Uh, so now they're fighting among them because here's the thing now we're getting to a point where they are going to fight to see which one is the first to win so they can get get the credit off oh we were the ones that offered the the best deal first so now it's gonna come to that so good good yeah see here's the thing billionaires cannot coexist working class people some of us are dipshits, not gonna lie. Some of you from some of you shits um uh you know find amongst yourselves. But ultimately when it comes down to it, I think if you take a hundred rich people and hundred poor people, the rich people will kill each other, the poor people will at the very least laugh and watch as they kill each other. All right. Well that is the update on the strike. That is all we have right now. Uh are you ready to so I know also I, I figured we might we might as well address this, but we haven't recorded in a couple of weeks because someone was stuck in the city of sin <laughs> someone not gonna say names but someone just needed to take his wife on a vacation just someone needed look, to man, leave the state <laughs> look man i'm gonna tell everyone this right now this was mine and nikki's first vacation in four years since our honeymoon we fucking deserve this we went to colorado by the yeah. way, I'm, I'm gonna give some negative press right now. We will never get sponsored by them. So you know what? I don't give a shit. By what? The state of Colorado? No, 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 no. Colorado is beautiful. I love Colorado. I go back. I'd go back twice. Beautiful place. Yeah. Genuinely, yeah. no problems. But I gotta give two negative shout outs. One. Oh my god. Are you gonna talk fuck, about the airline? Fuck Frontier Airline. Oh fuck my god. Them. It's not their fault. They didn't. They didn't create the hurricane, man. No, 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 no. Let me explain. When I booked it, it was a, it was a straight shot. Den from San Antonio to Denver, Denver, San Antonio, straight shot. Before the hurricane happened, they were like, "Hey, um, so we're not gonna fly to San Antonio, but we can fly you to Vegas for a day and then fly to San Antonio." That wasn't the deal that I paid for, but okay. And then we got trapped. Okay. And then and then sounds like damage charged, control, but yeah. And then they charged me extra. For me and Nikki to sit together on the flight back from Vegas to Denver. That's what you Welcome. signed up for when Welcome. you got married. That's what you signed up for. When I travel by myself, I say whatever the fuck I want. Okay? What kind of what kind of horseshit is that? Like, oh, hey, I already paid 300 bucks uh, for the two tickets. Yeah, but we're going to charge you an extra. I paid more for us to sit together than I did the actual fucking tickets. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Fuck Frontier Airlines and fuck the North Denver Hotel. We switched rooms three times in four days. Bathroom door was broken. The AC broke. And then on the last day, we ran, there was no hot water. And in the last two days, there was no Wi-Fi. Fuck the North Denver Hotel. Well, that's what you get for getting at the North and not at the South Denver Hotel. 
that southern hospitality will never come back to you. Oh, Did you so get to see what? the Rocky Mountains? Dude, it's beautiful out there. You know how <laughs> they say that you can't breathe in high altitude? I didn't believe yeah. it. I thought, no, it'll be fine. We got there, dude. I was winded from walking. <laughs> I was like, what the shit is this? I run three miles. Why am I tired? Yeah, that's the thing. Well. Chema, hit the intro. Muchas gracias por recibirnos el día de hoy a este podcast, su podcast, este es el podcast de El Rollback. El día de hoy mi nombre es Chema, estoy acompañado por mi compañero Eddie. Vamos a hacer un review de la película Blue Beetle, la nueva película de DC Comics, protagonizada por Sholo uh, Maredueña, Damián Alcazar, Adriana Barraza, Susan Sarandon, Bruna Marquesín, Rolls Max Trajillo y George López. Esta película es dirigida por Ángel Manuel Soto, Jaime Reyes, es un superhéroe, le guste o no. Reciente graduado de la universidad, Jaime Reyes regresa a casa con aspiraciones de un gran futuro, solo para descubrir que su casa no es como la dejó. Y él, en lo que él deja para encontrar su propósito en el mundo, la, el destino interviene cuando Jaime se encuentra en una posición de una reliquia antigua, un escarabajo. Entonces, Eddie es la primera película de un superhéroe mexicano en la historia de todos, creemos. Y este, hemos estado esperándola mucho, yo la he estado esperando mucho, estoy muy emocionado a platicar sobre ella. Entonces, ¿qué te pareció Blue Beetle? Ah, thank you for welcoming us. Onto your head. No, thank you for looking us onto your headphones. I'm Eddie. Yo soy Eduardo Ray. I can say my name. Shut the fuck up. Oh, man. Oh. That was a lot. That was a I'm lot. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm in a good sorry. way. No, in a good are way. In a good way. No, 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 no. Let me ask you a question. Are you are you having an issue with speaking a language that is not the one you were born speaking? Like, is this, no, is no, this a no, problem for like, you? No, I imagine doing that every fucking it. week. Like, no, imagine I, doing that every week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have to turn it on to understand. So to try and say our usual bit, I'm like, wait, what the fuck do I say? Plus, I always tell you, have you and Fernie intro us. So I'm like, what the fuck is the intro again? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Thank you for welcoming us on your headphones. I'm Eddie, and I'm joined by... Uh, my name is Chema. <laughs> And today we're talking about Blue Beetle. Um, <clears throat> Blue Beetle, Jaime Reyes suddenly finds himself in possession <laughs> of I already did village. all that. <laughs> <laughs> Not for everyone. <laughs> I we did all that. We I did it for the titles. I did it for the people that are going to matter. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? Fair enough. Blue Beetle. Oh man. So this, folks, ladies and gentlemen, this is a, this is a movie that I've been waiting for for a long fucking time. Um, a movie that I have been campaigning for for the longest fucking time. A movie that I initially thought would equate to like Wonder Woman or Black Panther. That's a dangerous sentence you're saying there, my man. <laughs> uh, you know what? I stand by that sentence. Regardless <laughs> of the box office issues, I stand by that. I stand okay. by Okay. You know what? Let's not even touch box office. That's not what matters right now. Okay. Let's talk about the current war, like the current struggle. What is happening? What is this? So I, I, I was thinking, let's let, let's take this uh, in a pre, in a during, and a post way. So let's talk about before, like before this movie comes out, before it's, it's announced and everything. The pre to this movie was very interesting because making a movie about Blue Beetle to me was the gambliest of or, or i guess the ballsiest of gambles because why would you make a movie about a character that is so niche so specific it doesn't have a large built-in audience um it's definitely a gamble which is why i understood when the movie was announced that, like it's gonna go straight to hbo max and i figured okay that that makes sense it it figures it would be like a smaller uh feature because it's a gamble to one make a blue beetle movie, two make it half the half English, half Spanish, three uncouple blue beetle from Brewster Gold, which is how people mostly know them, um, and three you know casting a mostly uh, Latino uh, cast 
of mostly unknowns. I think the most famous people here are uh, George Lopez and Susan Sarandon. Um, and then uh, just try, and then also like this movie had the at the casualty of releasing during the strike, so the cast cannot promote it. You know, uh, I think Gunn can barely promote it. Um, so the, the it's a gamble. Alan Soto mostly promoted it. Yeah. Yeah, Alejandro Soto could promote it since he was not a writer in the movie. Um, yeah, so this movie is a risk. It is. Uh, we'll talk about box office in the in the post section, but uh, I was worried. I was worried. Um, also, because there's been like three versions of Blue Beetle. You know, which version you, you do? Okay, you want to do uh, uh, um, Jaime Reyes? Okay, that's cool. Most people that know Jaime Reyes know him from like Injustice 2, you know? Mm-hmm. That's where most people know him. Um, but, um, you know, we got here. Movie came out. And uh, that pre, uh, you know, I was worried. I was concerned. I was scared. Uh, because who is this movie going to be for? Is it for the DC heads? Is it for, like, the Mexicans? Is it for, like, uh, the audience that, like, grew up watching Cobra Kai? Like, who is this for? And all of that, it's a lot for a movie to carry that. Uh, because it's also it tried to market itself as like oh, it's the first Mexican superhero, it's the first one, it's the first, it's the first one. Um, it's been and if I can put all of that to the side, man, it's been a long time coming, and I'm so happy that we got him. I'm so happy I that am, we got him, <laughs> I, dude. What was I saying for the longest time? Yeah, I was like, we need like I look clearly. I'm a Batman fan. Clearly, I'm a fan of Superman and Captain America. Growing up, those were the heroes I had. Was mostly Batman, and Superman. But I, I as I got older, I began to notice there's no Luna, there's no Gomez, Rodriguez, Reyes. There's no superhero with a Spanish last name. And I started to notice there's no Hispanic superheroes. There aren't. There aren't. I can't. As much as I am a comic book nerd, and you know how big of a comic book nerd I am. I couldn't, I can't, I still right now cannot think of a Hispanic Marvel hero. They kind of made Namor Hispanic, but he's from Atlantis. You can insert whatever, you know, fits. Yeah. Um, so I noticed that. And I noticed how representation does matter, how it matters that kids can look at someone and say, that's me. You know, you can go to the to the, the Little Mermaid controversy. Representation matters. I'm sorry. You can argue with me that it doesn't. This is one of those cases where I know I'm right. It does. Like, there's no yeah. version of this where you convince me otherwise. So, this movie had, like you said, a lot riding on it as the first, you know, Latino, Hispanic, Mexican, like, superhero film. It was the first one for, for people like us. Um, it had a lot of pressure on it because also... It's the one movie that's in a weird spot where it's not going to be part of the DCEU. It's not the first DCU film, though, either. Technically, it's a weird middle ground because yeah. Gunn and Saffron, we'll talk more about this later, but they confirmed before this film's release that Blue Beetle will exist in the DCU. This is not going to be a one and done. He will continue to exist in their universe, yeah. um, which makes me wonder, why didn't they put Aquaman where the Flash was put the flash where Blue Beetle is and have Blue Beetle release on Christmas. But maybe that's just me. Um, this movie, I told everyone about, about it. I told everyone and their mother. I bought shirts. I bought tickets in advance and more tickets. I did everything I could possibly do to support this film. And I remember um, leading into this film, like when the trailers came out, they i feel like they didn't boast enough that this was the first hispanic superhero film i feel like they didn't yeah. make it a big part of the marketing which like they did that for black panther i don't know why they didn't for this i felt like they could have been more outwardly like probably hispanic fucking marketed right you know like hot cheetos hot cheetos was probably mexican probably hispanic i felt like maybe leading up to it this one could have done more that yeah. said as a hardcore DC fan, as someone who's been wanting this, I was happy. I was very happy. You know, very it's very it's weird. Happy. It's weird because uh, the marketing is going to be different where you are than where I am. Mm-hmm. And here, that's how they market it. Like, really? Uh, 
Yeah, like here, like the posters, the trailers, like even like the little notification that that I would get on like on like my movie theater uh, app. It would it would like when the the day the movie came out, I got like a notification that that, that said like the first Mexican superhero is now in like now in theaters, like it's there, like it's here, it's ready. Um, mm. It was uh, like I said, and and yeah, it, it is a long time coming. It might not be like the how do I say this? I have criticisms of the movie. Of course I do. Of course I'm mm. criticism of the movie. No, no movie is perfect. Mm. I mean, except for like a couple. But this one, man, you know, like there's this line that people have been throwing, like superhero fatigue, superhero fatigue, like superhero fatigue. Mm. I feel superhero fatigue in things like Black Adam and things like The Flash and things like uh uh jesus uh the 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 second shazam i felt it a little bit in ant-man i felt a little bit in thor love and thunder that's where i feel superhero fatigue but Mm -hmm. then things like uh, across the spider-verse comes out things like guardians of the galaxy 3 comes out and things like the batman come out and i and i i forget superhero fatigue because those stories did something so cool and so interesting with their characters with their narrative and then here comes Blue Beetle, who all all Blue Beetle has to do is just introduce us to the character, and that's it. And I was scared because of the last of the last couple of DC movies, they've been so concerned with just connecting everything and making everything heard. And it doesn't feel like like the Flash doesn't feel like a Flash movie. It feels like DCEU chapter six or chapter thirteen or or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And then here comes Blue Beetle. And Blue Beetle is, I'm going to say this very directly, so everyone knows where I stand. I think it's an extremely cliched story. It takes a lot, it borrows a lot from from a lot of uh, origin story superhero movies. However, it does it with style. It does it with with like good music. It does it with fun characters, with fun performances, with a lot of color. With a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of winks to the audience, and it does it with a big fucking smile on its face, and that is all it had to do to have me in, and to have everyone in my theater. And my theater was full. Okay, my theater was full. And when the movie starts and Calle Treses Atrévete Tete starts playing, like. We were all like, oh, thank you. Yes. Like, yes, yes. This is the one. This is the one. This is how it's supposed to start. Little by little, the movie started to take take form and started to take place. The characters were being introduced, their traditions, their mannerisms, the fact that it was half in Spanish, half in English. There was a lot here to enjoy. I watched, I took my whole family. I took my parents and I took my sister. This is the highest uh, point of of uh recognition that i can give to a movie my dad did not fall asleep watching it and that <laughs> is the highest point of recognition that i can provide to a movie mm-hmm. he was beaming when the movie ended he was like i would watch this again like which is not a thing that happens he falls asleep on every movie <laughs> and yet not on this one so that's my initial review the movie's cliched as all hell but it's because it's so hard to make something new with this concept. Mm-hmm. But what it does, it does it with fun, it does it with glee, and it does it with a big smile on its face. And that's all this movie needed to do. And it did it great. Mm-hmm. Man, this movie, I... So, part of the problem I had with my trip to Colorado was just the fact that I had to miss the premiere of this film. Um, willingly so, but I didn't get to watch it in a theater jam-packed with my countrymen, with my people. I had to watch it in the theater half full. I watched an IMAX actually. Yeah. Um, looked amazing in IMAX, but watching this movie, the crowd, even as small as it was, I kept looking around and I kept seeing smiles. I kept seeing tears. I keep seeing, you know, jeers, happiness, joy. I kept seeing that in my theater. I can't speak for yours, but I can speak for mine. Um, it it felt again like a moment it felt like huh 
Now we get one. Nice. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, this movie, you're right. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Um, although I do have one note, actually, uh, folks. Fernie could not be here with us for this review, but he did want me to say something. He did have one note. I asked him, um, do you want me to mention anything? And he said, mention how much I really like the sister and how and how uh, she was very supportive of her brother and how realistic it was. She was actually his favorite character. Jesus. I'm kidding. No, he did not say that. Yeah. Yeah, no. He well, everything I just said, he said the exact opposite. But as far as we're concerned, Fernie loved the character. Um, does does Fernie have have sisters? Yeah, he has one older sister. Oh wait, that's surprising because uh, I have a younger sister, and the relationship between these two just fucking like like looking in a mirror. Like it was. <laughs> I was gonna say that actually. I don't understand because he's like uh, she annoys the piss out of me, and I'm like. That's what your sister does. <laughs> like, I love my sisters to death, but I'd be lying to you if I said, oh, they don't piss me off ever. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you're young like that. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, I love I loved the family dynamic. This movie felt to me proudly Hispanic. It felt proudly Mexican. It felt proudly, because you're right, there's Spanish is front and center. Like, a lot of this movie is filmed in Spanish. Um <clears throat> Family dynamics are firmly up front, you know. Um, you have the crazy uncle that we all have, which I think George Lopez might be one of the few, like, ugh, parts of this film. Uh, really? But then you also, yeah, I didn't love him completely. I'll tell you when I liked him, and I'll tell you when I didn't. Um, yeah. But one of the big shout-outs I want to give, and this is just from my perspective, is the relationship between Jaime Reyes and his, uh, and his father. Um, oh, which, yeah. Which I mean, I, I can give you the the rundown. Um, the The relationship between them in the comics is very different from the film. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know if that was the right call, but it's not something I hated. In the comics, Jaime and his dad butt heads a lot because his dad it, his dad is just a concerned parent that doesn't want his kid to get hurt, and Jaime is like, "No, I have a responsibility. I need to do that." Essentially, the reverse Uncle Ben is Jaime Reyes' yeah. dad. But understandably, who amongst us wouldn't tell our kids, hey, I don't want you to die. Can you stop, please? Yeah. Um, they, there's a lot of confrontation there between the two of them. So in this film, when I saw how loving his dad was and how accepting he was and he just loved his son, I was like, okay, this is a bit of a different take, but I don't hate it. But I can say this. I You could tell, you could tell he was going to die like immediately. Oh, no, I couldn't tell he was going to die. But I was like... <laughs> Look, as a young Hispanic man, I can fucking say this. Me and my dad have gone into it more than our fair share of times, right? I know that's happened with other friends and other family members. I won't say names, but it's a pretty fucking common thing because fathers and sons butt heads a lot, seemingly in our culture, because we have two different outlooks of doing things. Seemingly, when we come of age and we move out or we're on our own or we have our first jobs, that's when the peace is typically struck between the father and son. It's like, hey... I'm doing my own life now. I think we're good. And that's typically what I've seen, not just in my relationship with my father, but also with other people and their parents and their fathers in particular. Um, That was one of the few things that I was like, I kind of wish they had butted heads a little bit. That way, when the moment happened and he lost his dad, maybe it'd be more impactful because it'd be like, we fought. Yeah, but your dad loved you and you know we did. But then again, there's something to be said about the comfort of a father's embrace. His dad always telling him we're going to be okay because that's what dads do. Maybe more in our culture than anywhere else. I never remember seeing my dad sweat growing up. He never did. Even now knowing the shit that my parents went through when I was growing up, I never saw them fight. I never saw them sweat. But knowing now what they went through as I grew up, yeah, very, very strong father. And, like, I instantly liked him when he tipped 25%. And the mom's oh, like, yeah. we're short on money. Like, they're having money troubles. And the dad says, they need to make a living, too. No one's, yeah. like, he's not a selfish man. He's fundamentally a good person. Yeah, and at the core of that, it's the performance by Damian Alcazar, who is a well-renowned Mexican actor. Like, everyone knows this guy, you know? Uh, he has a very specific look, a very specific voice, and uh, 
even though he's played a lot of very different characters in Mexican cinema in movies like Ley de, Ley de Rodes, Crimen uh, del Padre Amaro, uh, El Infierno, um, he is like one of those character actors that like really leaves an impression every single time. And I've seen him be vicious. I've seen him be, you know, reckless. I've seen him be uh, tough and 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 yelling and really gritty. Uh, and in this one, seeing him be very like loving and and parenty and, and and stuff, it's a it's a show of how good of an actor he is. Because I never for a second felt like it was out of place, even though I've never seen him do a character this sweet before, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yes, you can tell that like uh, maybe they needed some struggle, but I disagree. I actually think the fact that he was noble from the beginning to the end, like on that beautiful scene that could have very easily been very cheesy when they're saying goodbye to each other, and he's kind of like flying towards the suit. Mm-hmm. You believe uh, in his eyes that like he truly believes in his son and he's doing the the right thing. Kind of passing on the mantle of like the man of the house and i like that we have a character like that i like that this character there's even a scene where like uh he's talking with uh oh god uh with betty court no what's what's her name jenny court yeah mm-hmm. uh she's talking with jenny court and she says like i see your family and i see like that that that's everything that like that's what a family should be and that's like the core theme of the movie it's family it's uh i like that jaime is not like i mean he's like a little embarrassed but not like to the point where he would renown them or like abandon them or like give up on them like yeah he's like a little embarrassed when they're they're dropping him off in like a job interview but like doesn't go beyond that like he wouldn't like trade anything for them um but i also feel like that's quintessential hispanic family like they are embarrassing but they love you like you hear your mom screaming at your soccer game you just yeah pass my ball you got it like yeah um uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like the, we have seen we have scenes like that and i think he fits perfectly into like that middle part and then we we get like this nice like side story of like him and george lopez's character where like he says like your dad brought me here like he got me a job he got me like a like like a like a seal like like a floor and, and, and a ceiling to live and all of that, uh, you believe it. You believe that that man would do that. And then you have, like, the rest of the family. You have uh, Adriana Barraza, who's also, like, this legendary actress uh, who's been in movies like Amores Perros and Babel and 21 Grams. And uh, and she's been in, like, a lot of things. Uh, George Lopez, of course, you know. George Lopez was the first stand-up comedian that I knew. Like, he introduced me to stand-up comedy. Like, my dad had a DVD of him. And we used to watch, I was too young to watch that. And he showed it to me. He's like, watch this. You're going to laugh a lot. And we bonded over that. So like to watch him be in like something like this now, um, it's great too. Um, and then uh, the grandma, uh, God, what was her name? Uh, yeah. Uh, Elpidia no, no. Carri. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she, Jesus Christ, like the, oh God, the, the scenes like, where she gets that that gun and <laughs> she undoes her haircut, she undoes like her hair, and they're like little uh, trenzas, like in like the revolutionary women from like the revolution. It's like it's so like specific, uh, and like even the mom ends up, ends up saying like like uh, one day you'll know about your grandma's revolutionary days, and it's like the fuck was she an Adelita? Like was she like she in the <laughs> trenches? Like was she like right there at the front? And. Uh, <laughs> She fits so perfectly well into this because, like, the movie is so unconcerned with the ongoing DCU. Like, it just wants to be its own thing and it just wants to be fun. And I'm so glad that this movie does that because what was my biggest criticism of The Flash? I told you all, this movie is ashamed of being a Flash movie. And that's my biggest problem with it. This movie embraces that it's a Blue Beetle movie and it's only a Blue Beetle movie. Okay? Mm -hmm. It has fun with that the characters that introduces stay there they're all important they're all fun even like uh also we have like susan sarandon who plays the villain and she's having a fucking ball like i love when actors just are allowed to just be crazy and she was just allowed to be the nastiest bitch like ever and and look 
I am so I am okay with like oh the oh the villain had a point oh the villain is understandable the villain is a hero from their own end yes those villains are cool I like villains that are just straight up bitches and just straight up assholes and this bitch is a straight up bitch and she's have she's relishing it she's loving it uh uh fucking um what's his name uh I forgot this Carcox? guy's name uh, no uh Harvey Harvey Guillen uh plays uh plays uh one of the doctors like like what one of the scientists oh, sanchez yeah his name is not Sanchez. <laughs> no no i know i know i know i'm making the joke yeah <laughs> what is he called Benda, or what was it yeah <laughs> he's like uh his name is uh uh dr jose francisco morales rivera de la cruz and uh he's like and i am not gonna work with you anymore Benda. it's just oh my god like Everything between the lines and and uh, God, every character, every character shows up like serves a purposes. And if they don't serve a purpose, they at least make you laugh, and that's what's great about it. Uh, so I like the villain. I like the main character. Um, I don't think there was uh, any fat in this movie. What? I don't think there was any fat in this movie. I can't think of a scene that you could cut that wouldn't yeah. hurt the film. Um, yeah, everything. And there's genuine scenes that like you feel like they did their research. There's a great scene uh, after he gets the scarab and the family's just chilling at home. The grandma is watching TV and she's kind of like flipping the channels and she, she flips between three things. She flips between the first thing, which is uh, the movie Chronos, uh, which is the first movie by Guillermo del Toro, which is about a mechanical scarab, of course. Uh, second, she switches to a very important scene in a classic Mexican film called Macario, which shows a man seeing the, seeing uh, what life, what goes after death. And it's this cave filled with the, all these candles. And uh, it's like a beautiful scene. And so she switches channel between Kronos to Macario to like the news to see like what's happening with, uh, with, um, with Jaime. And that scene in Macario gets replicated when we when he reunites with his dad, like when he walks into the room in the house and it's filled with candles and it's a beautiful tribute to one of Mexico's most important movies, like one of the most classical movies. This is like a black and white, almost quiet, like little movie that like it's so important and so influential. And the fact that the filmmakers and the people got involved, like researched that and they made an effort to to reference such a beautiful moment like you can tell that their heart was in the right place like this movie like i was so afraid that this movie was just gonna be like uh 90 english two percent spanish like maybe a couple of words maybe they're eating tacos like and that's it like i was so afraid it was gonna be that but no the fact that they made the effort that they did that that they uh everything from like moments when she's watching the movie to when Jaime like like passes away and the grandma wakes him up by like putting Papa Rube in his nose to uh oh, yeah that made me yeah laugh. to to them singing uh uh Mariela del Barrio song every time that he would be with the girl um to the Adelitas uh thing to like the guns to oh fuck it the um there's a scene where uh, Jaime is driving to the building to pick up a Jenny Cord, and he takes uh, George Lopez's truck, and Cumbia Poder by Celso Piña is playing in the in the in the truck, and everyone in my theater like stood up, and we all went like this because that is, that is not 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 only my country but my my state my city, okay. So Celso Piña was was because he passed away a couple of years ago. Legendary accordionist, uh, great this made this big, larger than life compositions. He was a singer. He brought like a lot of sounds from Colombia into this country. Made us made a career out of it. Traveled the world. He was traveling Paris like near, near the time of his death, and that song Cumbia Poder, like that is the sound of my streets. Like that is that is our theme music not only of my country of my or of my state but of my city so the fact that they included that song in there is like they were talking to us so we all did the right thing we all stood up put our hands on our hearts and we thank master celso for that and the fact that they took a moment to put that song in there like 
Jesus fucking Christ, it's so chock full of little scenes like that. It goes beyond uh, the Mexican-American experience. Like You can tell these people born in Mexico, they had to travel, they had to leave, but they kept a lot of the things. And it's between that, their eternal love for the truck, uh, the <laughs> fact that George Lopez uses a radio signal of the intro to El Chapulín Colorado to block the signals. Like, it's such... It's so specific. It's so niche. I cannot imagine being any other um, uh, like nationality and trying to make sense of this. Because, uh, like, look, when I was watching something like uh, when I saw the Miss Marvel show, which I loved, um, I adored it. I love how fun it was, but I could understand that a lot of it wasn't for me. And I was okay with that, but I, I feel like I could appreciate it. But I, I, I understood that people that grew up in that same situation would appreciate it even more. And this is how more I appreciate it because there's so much to have fun in this. And it doesn't like overstay like that, that identity. It's also a superhero movie. It also has, it is as much as a Mexican film as it is a Blue Beetle film. Mm -hmm. And Man, I, I can't I can't dislike that. I can't. Because look, there's Mexican movies that I don't like. There's Mexican directors that I hate, Michel Franco. But there is... When this portrays such a beautiful image of my people and my country, like, it makes me proud. It makes me happy. Of course I like it. Of course I do. And there's a ton of moments like that that are so great and I, I i can't believe that they went into all of those details to make it happen you know mm -hmm. yeah um damn man you unloaded i don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> i'm just I'm, i really enjoyed i don't know this <laughs> i really had fun with this and i was afraid that like okay a lot of people a lot and i, I don't want to call anyone out but a lot of mexican americans are, are gonna watch this and think like yes this is my people but i i wonder like do they know Macario? Do they know Celso Piña? Do they know all of this? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't, this is a great way to like kickstart that intimate relationship with your people, you know? Because um, I watched Macario when I was like, like fourth grade and I didn't realize the impact that it was going to have until like I grew up and realized that it was such a big part of our culture. You know, mm -hmm. we still quote it. We still talk about it. We still reference it. So the fact, but it felt like such a here thing. You know, so the mm -hmm. fact that someone else in another country figured this is really important, let's include it. Let's make like the big uh, emotional moment of the movie inspired by it. I still, I I'm still in awe. I still can't believe that reference Macario, they got away with it. So mm -hmm. I don't know, man. I'm just, uh, like I said, of course, the movie's not perfect. But man, the things that it got right, oh God, it got it so right. I love the each family member kind of felt like they had a unique relationship with Jaime. Each yeah. one felt like someone that, you know, we all have that crazy ass uncle, like George Lopez. We all have that annoying sibling, like the sister. We yeah. all have, you know, the, the figures in your life. The grandma made me laugh more times than I can count. <laughs> the fact that she has her grandson in a world destroying weapon. And she says, get behind me. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's the most grandma thing that there is, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. What's called a lot of the the moments in this were funny, not just from a, a Hispanic Mexican standpoint, like that we could understand, but also there was a lot of good comedy in this film in general. The fight scenes were outstanding. Uh, Zolo putting his his experience on Karate Kid on full display here. Um, there were a lot of practical effects, a lot of practical fights. The suit, uh, the suit is practical. I've been begging yes. for this for so long. The suit is real and it feels real. When he moves his mouth and the mouth moves, the yeah. uh, everything about the, uh, God, I'm in love with the suit. The fact that it looks almost exactly like in the comics or like Injustice, it's it's great. And and can I just say, you, you mentioned Sholo. Um, the my biggest relationship with Blue Beetle, of course, it's, it's, it's Injustice. He was my main, you know? So, uh, mm -hmm. so of course... I don't know how he did it, but but Sholo, his voice when he's in the suit, he sounds exactly like Blue Beetle in Injustice. Like he sounds dead on. Like he got that like very specific way of talking, that voice cadence. I don't know if he studied that or what, but mm -hmm. he just nailed it. You know, I never played Injustice too, so I have no idea. 
Oh, sure. Just look looked up some voice lines. He sounds dead on. He sounds exactly like him. I believe you. Um, yeah. So, okay. So the movie starts. He's getting back from college. He's like, we're going to own this place. You know, we're going to, you know, make money. I'm going to be able to help everyone. And then he gets bitch slapped down in reality where he has a job cleaning gum, even though he has a bachelor's degree, yeah. which is the most reality that it will ever hit. Because that's yeah, it's like, it's like graduating and then working at a prison. You know, it's like. Yeah, it's a shit show. Yeah, it is a shit show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> but in this, we are introduced to Susan. What, what's what's her last name? Susan. Susan. Clarendon. Thank you. We're introduced to that bitch, um, and her Victoria Cord, which is an actual combo character. But we're also introduced to a bad guy. A bad guy who I think is more of a good guy than we thought. Not he's not a good guy, but he's not a bad guy. Um, Ignacio Carapax, aka the OMAC. Uh, he's not the actual OMAC system, but he has it. Played by Raul Max Turhill. My parents like her. Yeah, Turhill. Um, I loved his portrayal because at first he's presented as any other generic bad guy, but in a span of like 30 fucking seconds in a flashback, we see his entire story. He's a child soldier grown up. This is not what he wanted to do. This is, congratulations, you're a soldier now. Go. And you see him from his adulthood going down from the scars, from the surgery to being a young man, being a soldier, being a kid forced to hold a gun and kill somebody, to a, a little boy who watched his mom blow up in front of him. Just the heartbreak. And the fucked up part is that that's not entirely inaccurate. Um, the, the director of this, Angel Soto, actually said that he initially approached DC with the idea of wanting to direct a Bane film. Um, D said DC counteroffered with Blue Beetle and he took the offer, but he said he would, he would incorporate some aspects of his Bane ideas into the film and they're front and center with this character. Which um, makes sense because Bane is supposed to be Hispanic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not just that he, he's a, he's a child of war. You know, yeah. obviously, we, we know the story from The Dark Knight, you know, child, uh, forced imprisonment for his father's deaths and all that. Um, we know the story, if, if, but... If if Fernie was here, this is when he would try to do his Bane impression, but, you know, we can just skip that. Skip that. We were, we were born in the dark, molded by it. <laughs> I'm better at this than you. Um, but anyway, so we get all this. Um, I love the duality between Jaime and and uh, Carpax because we get one who was a kid that grew up with a loving family, a loving home nurture, given this world destructive power. And on the other side, you have this kid that had everything taken away from him, forced to grow up and become a blood monster, forced to do these horrible things, brainwashed essentially into yeah just just unfortunately a weapon and when it comes and they collide i i think my favorite scene in the whole film and there's two there's one where jaime goes to save his family when the house is being is under construction which i mean the house is under attack which we'll talk about that in a sec um there's a great scene where jaime is about to kill Carapax because he's thinking of his dad. He's finally overpowers him. He's about to murder him, and the suit stops him. Bear in mind, the whole time throughout this film, him and the suit have been butting heads to some degree. But the suit stops him and tells him, we're not murderers, Jaime Reyes. The suit is the voice of reason. And that something just hit me in there when she says, I was connected to his brain. Let me show you what he did. Let me show you his life. And that's when Jaime, he's, he's not mad at him. This this villain is not a villain. He's a guy, he could have been anyone. Yeah. You know, Carpax. That's, uh, you know. Yeah. In the in the anime community, we call that a Demon Slayer moment. Because Tanjiro has, has like a moment like this with every demon that he fights in Demon Slayer. Um, there you go. It's a yeah. Demon Slayer moment. Yeah. And um, I like how we get to that moment. It's a, I'll admit, it's a cheesy moment, but... The way that we got there is not cheesy at all because the suit before was, was like was like kill and Jaime was like no kill and suit was like kill like that's <laughs> that's that was their relationship like the whole time it was like 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 Eddie Brock and, and Venom um, but because they did like a full synchronization of the suit that's when like the suit now sees from his perspective and it's like no Jaime we are not killers that's not what we are. 
Yeah. Um, uh, small criticism and very, very small. So the suit, which is called uh, Kajita, um, it's voiced by uh, Becky G, who is a singer slash rapper um, slash actress. She's been in a couple things. She was the, the Yellow Ranger in the Power Rangers uh, 2016, 2017 uh, movie. Um, she's a singer, she's a rapper. She does a lot of things. She's Latina. She's from, she's, uh, from like near Texas, between like Monterrey and Texas. She has a very specific, very clear talking voice. Uh, you hear her voice, you know it's her, like immediately. Mm-hmm. I think it's a missed opportunity to have her do the voice of the suit and have the voice be so altered and so like digitized that you can barely recognize it's her. You cannot recognize it's her. This voice could have been AI. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have had a lot of more personality if the suit would have had like her voice, like just normal, maybe with like a little bit of echo or something. I think it's a missed opportunity, but I understand also why they did it. Um, but yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity. Other than that, everything with the relationship with suit is awesome. They even have like a, I love this scene where like she, uh, Sholo gets all their, all his family like back in the thing, but he's missing his sister and he tells his family like, you all wait here. I have to go back and get her. And his mom stops him. And you think the mom is going to tell him like, don't go. But no, she tells him like, mijo, Ve y partele su pinche madre. <laughs> and, and then he goes to get his sister back and the suit, and he's like, you're ready, Kajida? And the suit say, vamos a partirle su pinche <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. And I just, I imagine like Becky G trying to record that and not, not crying herself to laughing. Like it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, so yeah, so that, that's literally my only criticism of, of, of the suit. Like that, that really is it because, oh, the suit is kind of perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the scene where Jaime, so, uh, and I mentioned this earlier, but I didn't want to swing back to it. There, as funny as this movie is, as, as lighthearted as it is, as family centric as it is, there is a heartbreak in this film and a tragedy in this film, along with something that is scarily reminiscent of what modern day America is. Yeah. Um, if if we can talk about that scene when when uh, Victoria Corps takes it upon herself to set her soldiers upon the civilian house, bear in mind she's not an authoritarian. She's the she's a billionaire, but yeah, I'm a billionaire. Fucking send my personal cards after them. Um, they bust into Jaime's Jaime Reyes's house where his family is crouching in a in a room, scared, and they're being separated, dragged out, stuff breaking. They're destroying their home, destroying their house, catches on fire. Soldiers do nothing to put it out. Th- this family only has this home, which they're already at risk of losing, mind you. Um, and it burns down with this family, them watching. Um, the father being the man that he is, obviously standing in front of his family, like, stay behind me. Like, it's going to be okay. Still trying to be reassuring. Jaime, I got goosebumps when he landed and started beating the shit out of those soldiers. I'm not going to lie to you. I enjoyed that. Um, and a, a great solid action sequence that's underlined by it, there's something to be said in a Hispanic superhero film where they still manage to put a scene where armed military guards are dragging out a Hispanic family out of their home, you know? Yeah, in, in yeah, that way. scene was like extremely graphic, it took too, it lasted too long, very uncomfortable, and, uh, very uncomfortable to watch, but. Necessary. I feel I don't know if necessary, but definitely fitting for for that moment to make us feel the fear that they were feeling. But that scene felt like it should have been in like an Oscar nominated like drama, like made by like I don't know a couple thousand dollars by like an up and coming Mexican director, like not a big budget DC Warner Brothers joint. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not disagreeing. I don't, I don't. I'm not saying the movie this scene should have been cut. But man, I did not see it coming. I felt the same way when when Jaime first fuses with the suit. Mm-hmm. Uh, when like he's like stuck to the ceiling and like the suit is like crawling like little by little. That felt like a Cronenberg body horror like scene. It felt like extremely graphic, extremely painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not see that coming either. But it it is how the suit works. Like the suit that like takes a toll on him. Like it is painful. To put it on, like I know a lot of very like useless facts about this suit. Like, do you mm-hmm. know when he's wearing the suit, he doesn't have to shit because the the suit is just 
you know, it's just there for him. Uh, I, you just taught me something. And also, like, uh, the suit will collect his dead uh, skin cells and will print paper out of that. <laughs> what? Yeah. So the suit is the most recyclable thing ever. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, that's not a weird one. Um, damn, you actually knew something. You actually knew something about DC that I didn't. Yeah, I I, I know a lot of things. You just people don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you want to talk about the pain? The pain. The, there's two really sad scenes in this film. Want okay. to talk about the first one? So I'm guessing it's the dad dying. Did, didn't that just hurt? When the dad goes back for the daughter and he gets punched and he's bleeding and you see the blood on his face and he's yeah. still trying to comfort his daughter saying it's going to be okay. Yeah. Isn't that what a father would do? And I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I got misty-eyed when that happened. It's definitely a scene that hit. It's uh, definitely a scene that, I, I, once again, this whole scene, I did not see it coming. You know, the movie starts with, with Calle 13 and I figured, oh, you know, yeah, you know, buddy. But, but, but then we get to that scene and it's like, the fuck is this? Like, what? What did it came from? Like, I'm, like, I, I, I can't get jiggy to this shit. You know, like it's, it's. <laughs> but like, it's, uh, it, it's the Uncle Ben moment, but done right. Of I can say this right now. In both Uncle Ben's deaths, I didn't cry. I was just like, oh, that sucks. This hurt. This hurt because it's, they really endeared hurt. us to this man. Yeah, it was a kind uh, soul that loved his family. Yeah. Um. Oh God! Um, Jesus! Oh, it's it's definitely a tough scene to watch, especially because I love I do love the scene that follows it, which is when like the family like gets together and like the house is destroyed, and the 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 sister is crying, and the family doesn't know what to do, and then the grandma kind of takes like matters into her own hands, and she says like, "It's not the time to cry right now. That comes later." Like right now, we get Jaime back in the house. And then that comes back because finally when the family's together and they finally managed to escape, like she goes like, now we can cry. Like it gets it And they all hold each point. other and they cry. And that's Yeah. That might We you know need what, to have that scene there. Like it needs to be there. Like, yeah. And not just for them, but for us. Like, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, is also that's something again, I can't speak for other people. I can speak from my own experience in my family. That is something that my mother has told us is there are moments to cry and there are moments when not to. When you need to be strong, you need to be strong. And that's how we live. You can ask me and my sisters when when shit has hit the fan, we've had to hold ourselves together. Not saying that that uh, grief is a bad thing, but like I need to deal with this first and then I will cry when I can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I'm not going to give a specific family incident, but it, it's happened where you got to hold your shit together. And then when you have the luxury of letting it out, you can go let it out. And that's something that I don't know if that's ingrained in every culture. I don't know if that's a common sense thing. But when she said that, I was like, that's my fucking mother right there. <laughs> that she has told us this. Now is not the time to cry. We deal with the problem and then you can let it out later. And it's it's true. Um, and I, I'd be lying to you if I didn't say I, I got misty out again during that scene. The scene that actually got a few tears out of me was when Jaime gets dragged away, right? His dad's having a cardiac arrest. The suit's like, your father, like, we need to go. And Jaime's yeah. being dragged away. Um, and, and he's, the suit's being stripped from him. He's dying. He's going to cardiac arrest. Finally, like, him and the suit become one. They become symbiotic. And he sees his dad, and it, he's like, he he says, "Dad, what are you doing here?" And the dad says, "You know, like, yeah, come on." <clears throat> Damn, I'm not gonna. It's not gonna hit me now. <clears throat> <laughs> okay, and the dad says, uh, "It's okay. It's gonna be okay. I love you." Like comforting his son, and. <clears throat> And we have like that scene, like I'm, I'm, I mentioned, it's, it's a reference to to Macario. You know, we have all those candles in there, and it's beautifully set up. And this, the CGI in this scene, you know, I, I, I feel like I'm willing to give it a pass 
because it's got like a, it's got like a, you can tell that this, this is like a somewhere between like dream and maybe the suit is doing something to his brain is doing, is, 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 is doing something to him. And uh, we're trying to see, you know, um, I'm willing to forgive the CGI more here than I did in like the flash because yeah. it works a little bit, a, a little bit more here. And, um, and we have like this moment where like the house starts to become like its own like dream island kind of and that dad is being so strong and so like telling his son like almost like like giving him a way to like life college love you know anything and tells yeah. him like you know it's it's gonna be okay like you're you know what to do you know what you're doing i raise you right you know go mm -hmm. out make me proud you know he goes and it's represented by this image of him like letting his dad go and grabbing a hold of the suit yeah. um yeah. Well, I, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it hits hard. And so I got choked up um, because I think that, and I can't speak for everyone again, but to me and to you and not going to wood, we're older, we're older people, right? We've been lucky enough to have our fathers up until this point to talk yeah. to us, to guide us, to have that relationship um, and see this poor kid who, He's 22 years old. He just lost his dad. I can't imagine what that's like because how do you live without that person that's guided you, the person that's walked you through it? Him and his dad have such a positive relationship. This is why I didn't mind the fact that they didn't have that confrontational relationship that they have in the comics because he passes away. And it's like, how do I go on without the person that that gave me my name? Yeah. You know? And that in that shit that hurts so much more and it feels like at that point Jaime has really earned the suit he's gone through that emotional transformation he's gone through that maturity he's gone through that loss and after that him and the suit are going on 100 high gear all the way they're, they're on the same page they're working together and they're as powerful as they will ever be because they've gone through this moment and the suits i think it's fair enough to say the suit understands the suit when they become symbiotic like you said when he mentions the whole uh we're not murderers and she shows she shows them what carapax has been through she understands jaime reyes and what this pain is and what it felt to him she's able to understand it and <clears throat> they're off to the races from there in emotional scene i can't remember the last time a superhero film made me actually cry that scene did if if even if not for relatability for the fact that that pain was real that pain yeah. hurt definitely and uh imagine how i felt like uh, jaime's father has the name same name as my father oh like, imagine how imagine how i felt you know um <sighs> but it's just it's such a well-executed scene and i can't believe that it's so like uh it's so like uh it's sitting like somewhere in between like all these jokes and all these like all these scenes of like really fun humor and it manages to balance them out pretty well we haven't even talked about how how funny george lopez was in the movie or like everything else you know uh because <laughs> a lot true. of scenes like that but damn it the emotional parts work and like i said you know we've seen this before we've seen the uh, this is a variation of like of like uh the uh the uncle ban or hell even the scene when the suit stops him from killing like this is just this is we saw this in like uh no way home when like toby Maguire stops tom holland from killing uh from killing the green goblin like it's we've seen this but it's not about we've seen this before is how we can we see it done again well yeah and uh i am proud to say that this movie does it well because uh the catharsis of this movie works the setup for this movie works the in between and all the little details like the jokes and uh, and the emotional scenes all of them work hell even the relationship between Sholo and uh and uh, Jenny Cord you believe that they would have like an attraction you believe that they would have like a like a because they have moments you know mm -hmm. um she she also like gets get some few scenes some few good scenes I thought at the end they were gonna get they were gonna let the family live in the mansion. I didn't realize they were gonna like same. Let them rebuild the house. 
Uh, but it's cool that they have like a scene where like the whole neighborhood, the whole barrio just like comes out and starts helping them like little by little. And, that's uh, how it is. That's community. That's community. That's that, that. That's what they teach us, and that's what that's what they teach us to believe. So, in that sense, I am okay with this being a solo Blue Beetle movie and not a Blue Beetle Booster Gold movie or like a Jump Justice or Injustice or whatever. Um, I know Booster Gold is gonna be like a show. I don't think they've casted the guy yet. Um, Rumors, Chris Pratt, but we don't know. Uh, possibly. Um, but so far, look, I was extremely surprised by the Blue Beetle movie. I had a freaking blast. Um, we can jump into like post. Uh, so what does this mean now for the future? I am okay with saying that I don't give a shit. I am happy with this movie. I would watch this again and again. I'm planning to watch this again in theaters. I want to take now, now my family to see it. I want them all to see it because I, my sister had a blast. My mom had a blast. My dad had a blast. We all had a blast with this. Um, I hope the movie doesn't tank. I hope the movie like leaves an impression. But sadly, I think the impression that it's going to leave is that it's going to be for a very specific group of people, my people. And I don't know if it's going to do a lot to everyone else. Um, but I am glad that it exists. I'm glad that it's been normalized to the point where there's something like this can exist and be in theaters. Uh, I'm so happy that it does. Um, of course I would watch this again and I am excited to see what the future of Blue Beetle looks like. Hell, but even if they don't make another one or if they just make a sequel or if they, or if they integrate him into like a team up or something, uh, of course, I'm gonna be sitting like this. This 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 is a uh, right foot forward, and I'm in. You know, they they curse you, DC. Just when I thought I was out, you push me back in. <laughs> um, I'm happy with this, um, but we'll see how you know next movie comes out. And I like that there were no like secret cameos or like uh, th- there were a couple of references like Superman and Batman and the Justice League and stuff, but no, not anything that comes like too overwhelming. Uh, even the wings are like almost fun. Like I like that Jaime went to study in Gotham Law. Like yes, it, it was such a cute little wink that like it reminded me of like the wings that they would do in like the nineties or in the two thousands. Like it's that is uh, I missed that. I was nostalgic for that in a weird way. So this might be a really well executed version of the origin story uh, with a Latino uh, front and center with the whole cast being like that. I had a blast with this. Um, I gave it 4.5 out of 5. I had a freaking blast with it. Yeah. Um, as far as post uh, Blue Beetle release, the box office is fine. It's it's projected to at least make its money back, which I think is all that they really want right now. It should beat Shazam, which is a win. I can't believe it. I mean, I was kind of hoping it would at least beat The Flash. Um the good thing is, is that Peter Saffron and, uh, sorry, is it Peter Saffron or Peter Zoloff? Peter Saslov. Saslov, thank you. Peter Saslov and James Gunn have all, both came out before the movie, during its release and post-release, saying that it will be part of the DCU. They didn't have to do that. They could have let this one die along with the DCEU, but they look at Blue Beetle and they see it as a viable property that they want to keep alive. So chances are we're hopefully going to get a trilogy. I think Zaslav or someone stated that they're looking to make a trilogy for this. I'm hoping they'll treat it kind of like Ant-Man where they're like, yes, the box office wasn't massive, but we can build on this. And hopefully they don't fuck up the third one. Um, But I do think Blue Beetle is a viable property. I think he has every possibility of becoming DC's version of Spider-Man where they have the teen hero, the young hero that kids can relate to. Um, Zolo really loved this this uh, this character. Yeah. The director loved directing this film. This movie was made for a paltry hundred million dollars, which is nothing for a superhero film. There's a lot of practical effects, which you can tell. Um, it costs less than the Flash, and it looks better than the Flash. Yeah, it costs like a third of the Flash, and yeah. yeah so I, I'm happy with this movie. I'm damn proud of it. Um, I can't wait for the sequel. I'll be there on opening weekend. Uh, a ten, by <clears> the way, a, a plus. It will be on my top ten. 
And even if yeah. a Batman movie came out this year, I think this would be it. I think it might end up in my top 10 list of the year as well. I had so much fun with this. I cannot wait to watch this again. Um, yeah, so that is uh, one of the least speculative, speculative, most fun, funniest, like, DC movies. This is like, usually I would groan with comparison, like, oh, this is the DC Spider-Man. No, I agree. This is the one. Like, yeah, this is, this might as well be the one. Um and I can't wait. Uh, hell, I, I'm even looking forward to see him team up with the booster and like and see what the other relationship with the other characters is gonna be. But if it's just if the sequel is just another movie with him and his family, I'll have a blast because this yeah. was it, man. Yeah. So I want to thank you all so much for joining us on this a very special episode of the rollback, uh, allowing us to celebrate how much we love uh, our heritage and through this character that I think uh, is going to take a lot of people by surprise. If you haven't seen this movie, I ha we highly recommend it. And yeah, thank you so much for joining us. My name is Chema. I've been Eddie. And this was The Rollback. Signing off with a reminder that this is great that we got this, this Latino character. So let me just put him away and be excited because this Thursday we get the One Piece live action! Hey, you want to you want to review the first episode? Uh, I think it's going to come out like completely... Uh, I don't think it's gonna be a week by week. I think it's gonna like just drop like the whole thing. Oh, but... then we'll review the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm planning on binging it this Thursday, actually. Oh Jesus uh, Christ! I b yeah. I believe you would though. Yeah. So look forward to that. I believe that's what that's gonna be our next one. Uh, and yeah, thank you for joining us. Bye, bro. Adios. Adios.